0: Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. This is, it's insidious. The fault-finding,
1: it, it seeps into our relationships and it can get ingrained and patterned. Right, so maybe you're saying, maybe you have objectives already. You're like, it's not bad. It's not bad if they are actually the problem. You know, like if I'm not wrong, then it's not wrong. And we, we've talked about this before. That's like, uh, how you do it matters. If you are correcting your spouse as a jerk, that's bad. <laughs> that's not helpful. Maybe you've heard previous messages though, and you're like, no, no, no. I've worked on not being a jerk, and it's still not working. We still get stuck in a rut. I'll give you some examples. One, uh, one of my favorites is uh, typically with like emotionally stable folks, particularly emotionally stable guys, they play the role of the cool rational. I'm not, over, I'm not overtaken by emotion. I am uh, collected and am well thought through. And oftentimes when relationships get heated, especially if your spouse is hurt or wounded or need, needing something from you, they don't want you to rationally give advice. They want you to connect with them. They want you to be bothered that they're bothered. Another example. This, have you heard of the metaphor that uh, relationships are like a dance? I'm not great at dancing. Um, my wife wants me to learn to two-step, so I got to. Get that going. Anyways, relationships like a dance. This one couple was like, you know what would be a good idea? Let's go dancing. (laughs) Literally doing the metaphor. And the husband was begrudgingly like dragged along and he stays in the corner and she's out on the floor and she's like, come on, come on. He's like, fine, I'll go out there. And then she loses it on him because he's just standing there like a dead fish, not dancing. And she puts her hands on his legs and tries to move him and he gets embarrassed and stormed off. Now, we understand why she did that. We, as people, are designed to fight against when, when, like, when our closest relationships reject us. That makes us mad. This happens with little babies. They've done, I don't know, who, these psychologists are messed up, but here the, here's the experiment. Put a mom and a baby in a room, have the mom stonewall that baby. No emotional response, just straight-faced and those babies get mad. They start swinging at mom, you know? I was telling this to my wife last night, talking through this talk, and she said, that's why I threw that Rubik's Cube at your face. <laughs> this was junior year in high school, so uh, we've, grown, we've grown a bit from then. My favorite part of the story is this, though. Her youngest brother comes in, and it's like, what did you do? <laughs> I have ice on my face. What did you do? Assuming that I was wrong, he was right. I said, though, I did nothing. I didn't do anything. And now in, in hindsight, it, you know, it's pretty obvious. I didn't respond to her, and she was angry. She was angry with me. It's not me, it's you. It's not just a uh, a blame, it's also kind of like a default position of how we navigate conflict in our relationships, right? And if you don't deal with this poison, if you don't draw it out, it will lead to patterns of defensive defensiveness or withdrawal that will lead you lonely and hopeless. Quote from an actual marriage in, in struggle. This gal said, I feel more alone now with next to the person that I love the most than I ever have in my life. I almost wish I had never gotten married. And the husband on the other side is like, I feel so numb or angry. My emotional life is truncated and I just feel like I'm a robot just falling into patterns that I can't get out of. I don't want that for you. I don't want that if that's you now. I want to give hope to be able to draw this poison out and we're gonna apply God's word to it. Jesus offers a different perspective on what actually the problem is. He offers a very practical solution and he challenges us straight to the heart to go deeper into our relationships. We're in the book of Colossians this morning, chapter 3. That is not the first or second chapter, so I'm going to bring you up to speed. This book is actually, like, really grandiose in scope. It says things about Jesus, like, uh, all things have been created through him and for him. So Jesus, in creation, was helping make all things, and everything was for Jesus, That's a big statement. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. Did not just make things, he also sustains things. And in redemption, in the buying back of our very souls, bondage to sin, out of darkness, into the kingdom of light, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. For God was pleased to have his fullness. He's fully God, to dwell in Christ. And through him, to reconcile all things to himself by making peace through his blood on the cross. That's full gospel this morning. That is the the person and work of Jesus Christ. And that's like, this book is like, oh my gosh, you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys. If you're gonna reconcile anything, like get with the program, God is, right now, God is reconciling all things to himself. He is making peace because of the cross. He is making a way so that all things can be in a right relationship with God. And this, specifically this morning, Specifically this morning, we're going to apply to marriage that we would reconcile, not just with each other, but to God himself. May, may these flow from that truth. Verse eight of chapter three. But now you must also rid yourself of all such of these things. Anger, rage, malice, slender, S- slander and filthy language from your lips. Rid yourself. Or as it says in verse five, put to death, put to death. This is the uh, clothing metaphor. We're to take off and cast aside all of these bad things. And if, if you don't, let me just connect this right now. This, this is the problem of your relationship. It's not me, it's you, heck no. The problem is anger and malice and rage and slander. How we deal with conflict is killing our relationships. Sin is always the problem. And as a couple, you need to form a team against the problem. You need to label the poison and then fight together against the poison. I'm a focused person. This is a strength of mine. I can zone in. Many high schoolers can do this too. You're on your phone. You're just locked in. People talk to you, parents, loved ones. Buses are crashing. Doesn't matter. Locked in. This bothers my spouse because she uh, was raised right maybe. She was told that you should respond to your loved ones when they ask. When I when they ask that your name from a loved one should cut through, and I should and I should raise up, darling. (laughs) What would you have me do? I don't know. (laughs) But I have my own issues, not just focus. I have a fear of failure. And if I'm locked in on a problem that I can't solve, or if I'm behind in a schedule, I hear that as straight up criticism. And I think, she thinks I'm a failure. And I have a couple of options. One is to numb, you know, just dive into YouTube deeper, put myself into the basement, read some more sci-fi articles or whatever I'm doing. Or another is to fight back. You, you're the one (laughs) who has too high of expectations for me. You're crushing me. I just need a break. Leave me alone. What's the problem? How we handle the conflict is the enemy. There's a psychologist, her name's Sue Johnson. She refers to these types of like conversations as demon dialogues. I don't think, I don't think she's even a believer. Demon dialogues. They're demonic. Let's talk about another one. Actually, let's apply it first and then we'll come back to it. Okay, here we go. Put to death the critical spirit. That's, that's what you should do. This, I, this sinful nature that comes out and expresses itself in hostility towards your spouse, that you've got to fight against it. This has to happen by agreeing on the enemy, agreeing that it is a poison together. You have to come together on this and you have to see how you contribute to it. Some of us in the name of venting, slander our spouses. We get together with our friends or our family and because we're so hurt, we think we can just vomit on our, on our friends and family about how bad our spouse is. Now, if you're super hurt, we understand that you're not able to keep it all together. We get it, but that's not venting. (laughs) A helpful vent would be when my spouse does this, I feel this way and it's soul crushing. Even before I felt like such a failure, excuse me, I felt like such a failure even before my spouse came home, I knew I would either have to defend what I'd done or get out. We slander our spouse, and we can't. And sometimes we slander our spouses to our own kids. We bring them into it. Sad, so sad to me. This happens in divorce relationships all the time. Because of how badly they hurt me, may my kid, know, my kid needs to know it. My kid needs to know how bad, how bad they should join me. They should join me against the true enemy wrong. Put to death the critical spirit. It's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill a relationship. Hope. Practical solution. Verses 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord forgave you. Here's the clothing metaphor again. No longer are we taking off our sinful selves, but we're putting on Christ, putting on the character qualities, the godliness that he gives us. Think of it like a a priest. You know, like out out amongst the commoners, a priest is just a priest. But when he puts on the garbs and he goes and offers a sacrifice, he's representative of the people, and he is bringing them before the Lord. We, as Christians, are a holy people. We're a chosen nation. Our job, follow me on this, is to bring people to the Lord. It is a ministry of reconciliation that we have. And so we also put on the character qualities of God as the symbolic representation that we are serving the Lord. And this should happen daily, right? We take on the task. We put on Christ and take on the task. God, help me to point to you today. Help me to fight the demonic dialogue God, that I might point my spouse to you today. Why? Well, because Christ forgave us and he actually forgave us a lot. There's a parable in Luke 7 that says something like, uh, um, uh, there were two debtors and they owed a debt to a bank. I forget the amount, but it's like one owed 500 and one owed 500,000. Both of them were forgiven. Both of the debts were canceled. Which debtor was more grateful? the one who was forgiven 500, the one who was given 500,000, the one who was forgiven much. That's who's the most grateful. And if you understood how much your sin cost God, well, we would repent more quickly. If you knew that Christ had, Christ, the only perfect person had to die for you, It might lead us to repentance a little bit more quickly. The passage, uh, bear with one another here, this patience, the character quality of patience extended, it doesn't just mean reaction. It's actually like a preemptive strike. Don't just wait for them to ask for your repentance. Be ready to forgive. This is why Jesus says, how, you know, they ask, uh, how many times must I forgive? And he says, seven times 77 or however you do the math there. It's a lot. You've got to forgive a lot. And we need to prep ourselves for this. That, that if our spouses turn back to the Lord, that we will be ready. We will be ready. And it's not just waiting for them, that we will help them. We will try to portray Christ as beautiful as he is, that they might repent. Forgive as Christ forgave you. This is the ministry of reconciliation that we have. Let me tell you a common mistake. Sometimes we just get caught up in the guilt of things. I'll give you an example. There was a couple who, um, it came out that the husband was cheating on her, and apparently it happened quite a bit. And he, in working through counseling, was kind of like, how often do I have to apologize for this? I've already apologized for this. And she was like, but it's like you don't even understand how badly this hurt, how destructive this was to our relationship and to our kids. Legalistic remorse, all about the law, legalistic remorse says, I'm sorry I broke the law. But godly remorse says, I'm sorry I broke your heart. And sadly for us, God is the most offended by our sin. The one who died for us, the one who's reconciling all things is just like, come on, come on, follow me. Last point. In Colossians 3:14, over all of these virtues, as we put on godliness, as we represent God to our spouse, which put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Jesus promises to make his followers right, and he gives us an example—not more than an example—he unites us to him, and he carries us through. But we should be more like Jesus in our love. And I'll give a very specific example here. Jesus speaks to the heart. Like if you go through the gospel of John, for example, I'll give two examples. So Nicodemus in chapter three, it's really kind, he goes to him late at night. He's a Pharisee and he's trying to put together the Bible and figure out what it means to like follow God and what, what does new, new birth mean, etc. And Jesus just gives them you know, the most famous Bible passage probably of all time, which is, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Like you're, all this religion and all this push to like figure out God, like, let me just tell you, let me just tell you God's heart. And his heart is for you. The next chapter, Jesus goes to the woman at the well. She's at the well because it's uh, the time of day where nobody else is there because she's done bad things, and she's known for doing bad things in the community. And what does Jesus say to her? Oh, I know you did those bad things. But she, he keeps having the conversation with her. And he actually reveals the future of the Holy Spirit and how we're going to worship, right? So that all of human history, we look back on, like, who, who was it revealed to first that, uh, that the Holy, you know, like, that Sam, Samaria, where this gal's from, wouldn't be the place of worship, and neither would Jerusalem, but it's actually going to be, like, in our hearts? Who is that revealed to? Oh, this woman, this, this woman at the well. What a, what a way to give dignity to a person. <clears throat> How do you find the heart? I think this is, a, um, I follow emotions. Emotions aren't always uh, right, right? Someone might um, think that spilled milk is really a big deal, but it's not. You don't don't cry over spilled milk. But it does tell you that they find it significant. Emotions are the language of their perceptive significance. And so you can follow them down. We all have wounds that we carry, even childhood wounds. I'll tell you one of mine. I was a football player in high school. And it was a championship game. And uh, I remember um, it was at the end, towards the end of the game and it was homecoming. And I ran a post, I was a tight end, I ran a post route. And they, the safety bid on another route left me wide open. And so I just hook, just, just stop right in the end zone. And the quarterback throws the ball to me. And I remember thinking, we won the game. And I remember it hitting my hands. And then looking down, you're supposed to watch the ball in, by the way. Uh, So after it hit my hands, I look down and it's falling to the ground. And I look over to the sidelines and some of my favorite heroes from the high school of old, right, it's homecoming, are just like Gabe John. I care about being labeled a failure. (laughs) I don't want to, I hate it. And my spouse has the opportunity to speak into my life. My spouse has an opportunity to overturn the verdicts that I've received from people my whole life. I'll give, you a one, I'll give you a wonderful secular example, Kelly Clarkson. She has a song called Peace by Peace. She performed it on American Idol when she was very pregnant and she used that as an excuse for why she cried her eyes out. But listen to the lyrics and decide for yourself. This song is about her dad and her husband. And all I remember, this is verse one. And all I remember is your back, walking towards the airport, leaving us all in your past. I traveled 1,500 miles to see you, begged you to want me, but you didn't want to. Verse two, and all of your words fall flat. I made something of myself, and now you want to come back but your love, it isn't free, it has to be earned. (laughs) Back then, I didn't have anything you needed, so I was worthless. Chorus, but piece by piece, he collected me up, off the ground where you abandoned things. Piece by piece, he filled the holes that you burned in me at six years old. And you know, he never walks away, he never asks for money. He takes care of me because he loves me. Piece by piece, he restored my faith that a man can be kind and a father can stay. I have really really sad news now. Kelly Clarkson and her husband got divorced. as Christians, even even experiencing the greatest betrayal of our lives, we cling to Christ, who is our ever-present hope and struggle. He is our firm foundation. And he offers a way back. He paid for it by his blood. So you you might be thinking, You might be thinking, "This doesn't sound like my spouse." They claim to be Christian, but they aren't getting it. I'm dropping hints. I'm trying to move. I'm trying to move their legs. What am I supposed to do? L- let me ple- Let me plead with you for a second. When this is over and you go home, please check in with your spouse. Often this is a guy thing that we don't feel threatened in the relationship until something changes in the situation. But the gal, because the relationship isn't going so hot, thinks about divorce much earlier. And I want you to check in with your spouse. I want you to say, hey, maybe I'm completely oblivious, but I wanna check in that I'm helping you Follow Christ. And if this thing just explodes, if you guys both just become irate, please have the foresight to say, whoa, 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 this is the enemy. This is the poison. It is absolutely okay to seek help, professional help. Lots of skilled counselors can help you guys talk to each other. But I don't want you to just stay on this surface level of communication. Address the deepest needs of your heart. Lay your hearts bare and let your spouse speak gospel truth into it. If it's not safe, don't take that step yet. You know, don't just open your heart and then, bam! You know, don't do that, don't do that but this is the hope. This is the goal that we would start reconciling each other towards Christ. Put to death the critical spirit. It is the poison. Forgive as Christ forgave. Recognize how much he loves us and and very specifically cover everything with love. Do it for their good. Speak to what is most wrong and build them up to be what is most true in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. God, we confess that we often just fall into gossip and slander, speaking ill of spouse, speaking ill of others. Lord, we ask that you would help us to fight for our marriages, that we might team up as a couple to fight against the poison. God, that you would keep it from getting into our bones and God, that we would put on Christ. You would pursue holiness, we'd pursue godliness and that we might be a great example of how you love us by how we love each other.
0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe? Share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.